Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. The second paragraph of the 18th chapter of the Silmarillion reads like this. But when the sixth generation of men, after Beor and Merak, were not yet come to full manhood, it being then four hundred years and five and fifty since the coming of Fingolfin, the evil befell that he had long dreaded, and yet more dire and sudden than his darkest fear. After hundreds of years of relative peace, we have the next great battle. The Battle of Sudden Flame. The Dagor Bragolak. Such an awesome name for a battle. Dagor Bragolak. It has been almost six generations now of men since the last episode. We have this gap in the history and I guess you could call it a gap. There's There are things that happen during this time, but the Silmarillion doesn't really go into much detail about it. There's relative peace. The men have come into the west of the continent. For almost six generations now, we're told the sixth generation of men since their coming is almost at adulthood at this point. They have been integrating with the culture of Beleriand, the elves, the different elves, the Noldor to the north mostly, and although Thingol, King Thingol and Doriath doesn't let them into his forest, he's aware of them. They live on the outskirts of the forest in different locations, but for the most part, they have peacefully integrated into the landscape here. Many of them have taken residence, created homes in the northern part of the continent among and around, I guess I should say, not really among, but around the groups of elves that live as kind of this barrier between the dark north, the part that Morgoth controls, and the rest of the continent. And they've learned at this point of the great evil that resides in the north and the need to maintain a certain level of awareness and watch for what might be coming. And Fingolfin knows that it is only a matter of time. Morgoth is still there. He is not asleep. He is biding his time, creating his forces and building a surprise and all this time, his rage has been seething. Remember Glorung? Glorung came out too early. He ruined that surprise. Glorung had to retreat back to Angband. He wasn't ready yet. In fact, the last few conflicts with Morgoth, he's 
not been able to really accomplish much. He's been hemmed in, if you recall, and this siege of Angband has lasted now for a few hundred years. Now remember, that hasn't kept all the orcs from accessing the rest of the countryside, but it has maintained a certain level of relative peace and calmness, which we are about to see broken. The year is 422 of the First Age. The majority of the Noldor have become complacent, comfortable. We're told that the sons of Feanor have become safe, soft, maybe, in their homes. Fingolfin, however, Fingolfin knows that it is only a matter of time, that the longer they let Morgoth sit up there in his throne, the more time he has to build armies against the elves. And so Fingolfin decides that it is time. They have been waiting too long. This relative peace is only benefiting Morgoth. And so he goes to the rest of the Noldor and presents to them the case that they should unite now. Bring with them forces of men, if they can recruit them, and attempt to break through the walls of Angband in order to take Morgoth on directly. But this plea falls on deaf ears. Among Feanor's children, only Angrod and Egnor were willing to stand by Fingolfin's side and agree that something must be done. They were the ones who were also situated most closely in order to see the walls of Thangorodrim in the distance. They were the ones who were reminded daily of the threat on the horizon. So nothing happens. Fingolfin, Angrod, and Egnor by themselves would not have enough strength. And that was one of the concerns, is that even if all the Noldor came together with the help of men, that they may not have enough strength. And even if they were to win, breaking through Morgoth's defenses, taking him on directly with a force, that the deaths this would take would be too high a cost. And so they do nothing for another 33 years. On a winter's night in the year 455, we are told that this is a particularly cold and moonless night. The elven forces who are manning this siege, this perimeter around Angband, can see in the distance across the plain of Art Galen the mountains of iron and Thangorodrim explode with fire and fumes. Think about the time in the Lord of the Rings in the third age, when Sauron decides to go to war and he builds up the cloud of dark smoke coming from Mount Doom. Imagine that 
times 10. Fire explodes and then runs down the mountains in what I have to imagine is a combination of both natural and potentially magical strength. It is said that it moves so quickly and lights the plane of Ard Gallon on fire so fast that the fire and the smoke confuse the elves who are there, and many of them cannot escape. And you would think, these are elves. They are fast. They probably have horses. They are quick to respond. And yet, this sudden flame comes on them so quickly that it must not be lava. There's something else going on here. And it consumes the field. This is the moment when Ard Gallen is renamed on Foglith. A Sindarin word that means by grasping dust. The flame destroys everything and pushes south to the very edge of this plain up into the hills of Darthonian and Arid Withrin. This area is consumed. If you look on a map, there is a broad area between what is like the very north, the part that Morgoth holds directly, the place where he is sieged and penned in. And then there are the mountain ranges and hills south of that. This covers that entire swath of land. And this surprise attack of fire and smoke is not the only thing that Morgoth sends forth. It has been another almost exactly 200 years since Glarung came forth the first time. In 200 years, he has grown massive. The Golden Father of Dragons leads the forces of Morgoth south into the lands of the elves. Following him is a host of Balrogs. Remember the Balrog from the Lord of the Rings? Think, think of the movie, the size, the flames. Imagine a host of them behind Glarung, and behind the Balrogs, hosts of battle-ready orcs, trained, armed, and in numbers uncountable. In this moment, the very thing that Fingolfin was concerned about comes to pass. The power and the might of Morgoth is more than they expected. And we're even told in Tolkien's writings that Morgoth was still too eager. He actually released his attack before it was fully ready again. This time it's on him. The first time Glorong sends out on his own. This time Morgoth was so ready to take the battle back to the Noldor that he sends them out before they're quite ready to go. But even then, the destruction that they bring with them is massive. They destroy the field of Ardgallon, of, of course. That's a, that's a minor thing. And as expected, the elves field a response. Once that initial group has been killed and some of them run off to explain what's going on and what they see coming to the rest of of the elves, the rest of the Noldor, the sons of Feanor, Fingolfin and his people, Bior and his men. They all mount 
a response. And the death toll is staggering. Feanor's sons, Angrod and Agnor, in Dorthonian, are some of the first to engage. And we are told that they are overrun. Both of them are slain. They are the two sons of Feanor who do not survive the battle. Beor's folk, who live nearby, mount a resistance as well, fighting most likely side by side with the elves. And many of them are killed as well, including the current lord of their people, the descendant of Beor, Bregolas, which is a cool name because it sounds a lot like Legolas, but it's not. We're also told that many of the gray elves come to their side. The Sindarin that are living in the countrysides and the hills and the areas maybe among the Noldor or nearby them. Well, some of them stand with the Noldor and the men, but many of them retreat south and are taken in by Thingol and Doriath. During this battle, Morgoth is able to take and hold a massive amount of land. We're told that it separates the different kingdoms of the elves. And this creates a situation where after the battle, it is no longer safe to travel across the continent from one elven kingdom to another. The land is now dangerous and corrupted. So I want to read some of the passages here from the Silmarillion because, of course, of course, uh, Tolkien's writings are so good. There's a passage here that says, Thus ended the siege of Angband, and the foes of Morgoth were scattered and sundered one from another. The most part of the Grey Elves fled south and forsook the northern war. Many were received into Doriath, and the kingdom and strength of Thingol grew greater in that time. For the power of Melian, the queen, was woven about his borders, and evil could not yet enter that hidden realm. Others took refuge in the fortresses by the sea and in Nargothrond, and some fled the land and hid themselves in Osiriand, or passing the mountains wandered homeless in the wild, and rumor of the war and the breaking of the siege reached the ears of men in the east of Middle-earth. This event was so monumental that it scatters the people Many of the elves have to change and move and relocate. They, their lands are taken over. Kingdoms of the Noldor are moved. The sons of Fanor who survive, Fingolfin, has to, uh, they have to adjust to what's going on here. And not only that, but everybody on the continent knows about this. Stories travel with men and elves seeking refuge, even to the point where they traveled back across the Blue Mountains into the east, and people over there learned of these events. The term shock and awe did not exist yet when Tolkien was writing these passages, but this, I think, counts. The idea that he threw so many forces so quickly at his enemies that there was very little they could do. And it also hurt them on a morale level. How can you stand against something so 
terrible. So seemingly inevitable. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is where I get to thank... All of my wonderful patrons, thank you so much to each of you. And I get to shout out our newest patrons. It's been a little while. I was on vacation last week. I recorded the last episode early. I hope I'm catching the right ones and not missing anybody. But maybe I'll give some of you guys a second call out. We'll we'll just go with it. So a big thank you to our new patrons, Anna, Colin R, Chris D, um, let's see, Alex Honored Knight. Well, that's a fancy name. Brad C. Mistocitus? Mistocitus, maybe? And Susie S. Thank you so much to all of you guys for signing up on the Patreon. I really appreciate the support. I've mentioned this before, but this is my full-time job. I create podcasts. This is one of the shows that I do. And the fastest growing show. You guys have been phenomenal sharing this with your friends, letting other people know about the show, posting about it online. I've seen people comment on some forums and things and actually bring it up. Very, very big thank you to each of you who does any of that. Also, I have to shout out our VIP patrons, Brad C, Christy, Esoteric Rage, Larry, Tristan P, and Tyler B. Thank you so much to each of you for all your support and all 37 of the patrons. Thank you so very much. If you're curious about getting ad-free episodes early or the tier where you can get the bonus episodes every week, I do like double the work. And so I put it up there for you guys. Then go to Patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. That's where you can find the Patreon and you can sign up. Also, I've got some reviews that I've got to catch up on to read out. So here we go. 
This one comes from the Adam Kenobi. I don't, I didn't know Obi-Wan had a brother named Adam. Uh, Adam Kenobi says another great podcast. I subscribed to and binged the fallout and elder scrolls lore cast this past year and was excited to hear about the Lord of the Rings lore cast. Another entertaining and engaging podcast from robots radio, Tom or robots relays the epic scope of the Silmarillion in a more digestible way, connecting callbacks and links to the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as well as finding new perspectives. Thank you for all your research and dedication to fully immersing us in Tolkien's fantastic world. Five stars. Adam, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. We have one from Bean Trader. Uh, both of these are from the United States who wrote in and said, uh, um, this is, these are all on Apple podcasts, by the way. Did you miss your calling five stars? Having recently retired from 40 years of teaching. Wow. Congratulations. That is I would applaud you. That is amazing. That is a lot. That is a lot to take on and sometimes a very thankless job. Thank you for doing that. Uh, 40 years of teaching. And by the way, sixth and eighth grade enrichment students This is all middle school for 40 years. Holy moly. I think I can speak with some level of credibility when I say you would have been an engaging and highly effective teacher. I taught the Hobbit and creative writing as part of my curriculum. I also ran an RPG club. That's awesome. I stumbled onto this podcast only a few days ago and have uh, shared it to uh, sorry, shared it with many of my former students, now friends. The response from each of them has been over the top positive. Thank you for your investment of time and energy. And most of all, thank you for your passion. I will continue to spread word of the gospel of Middle Earth as told by the Lord of the Rings lore cast, a five star rating with confidence. Thank you so much, Bean Trader. That is amazing. Uh, also, hi, hi to your students if they're listening. Um, thank you for all all of that that uh, I've considered teaching in the past. I don't know that I have. The amount of patience to deal with all the other things you have to do when teaching. I, lo I love sharing information and I love working with students, too. But there's a lot of stuff that goes along with teaching that has always been kind of a barrier. So thank you for that, Bean. Also, we have one from Condog Stanos in the U.S. who writes, Amazing five stars. This podcast is amazing. Oh, I read The Silmarillion a few years ago and understood basic content. However, there were some things that I didn't quite understand the meaning or importance of. But now listening to this show, everything has become very clear and understandable. Condog, you're welcome. I, I don't. I think that's how you say your name. That's a D-A-W-G on that one. We've got two more left. This one's also from the United States. Al of the Dunedain. 10 out of 10. Five stars. Easy five stars. Best Lord of the Rings podcast I've listened to. Probably the best podcast I've listened to. Wow. That's high praise. The episodes are educational and easy to understand while also being very entertaining. Would most definitely recommend. Thank you so very much. And then one more from The Harfoot. I like your name. Uh, in Canada. Who writes, wow, brilliant stuff. Five stars. I am just blown away each episode. Very much appreciate the thorough explanation of all things Tolkien. Thank you so much to all of you guys. Uh, each, one, each time one of these comes in, it just makes my day. It really does. Um, I, I hope you can tell I put a lot, a lot of uh, heart and soul and work into these. And seeing you guys respond like this makes it worth it. So I really do appreciate that. One other thing to kind of throw in here before I go. I don't know how many of you are into watching game streams, live streams on the Internet. This is something I do as kind of a way. It's I'm obviously not my full time thing. I'm not a big video game streamer. And it's something that I've had a hard time maintaining a regular schedule doing. Although I'm going to try to do more of that. But if you are interested in just hanging out with me, we can chat about whatever. It doesn't matter what game I'm playing. If you want to just come into the live stream over on twitch.tv slash robots radio, come join me. 
hang out. I'll be streaming during the days, sometimes in the evenings. Some of my live shows happen in the evenings. Drop me a follow over there. And I'd love for you to just pop in and just share some of your experiences, some of your hopes for the TV show, just whatever you want to chat about. This is my way of engaging with the community and you guys a little bit more. And to be honest, it really does help my mental health, having people to chat with about the things that I love. So I'd love to see you over there. Twitch.tv slash robots radio. All right, let's get on with the rest of the story. So clearly there was a lot of chaos that ensued, a lot of tragedy, a lot of terribleness from the Battle of Sudden Flame. And there's one story in particular that I think is notable here. We've been talking about Finrod Feligand a lot, and there's good reason for that. He is a very interesting character. He, of course, is the Lord of Nargothrond, and Nargothrond is removed. It's, it's more southern than a lot of these northern areas. But as soon as Finrod learns of this event in the north, he sends a host, a small host, a small company north, and he goes with them in order to contribute to the battle. On their way, as they get closer to the areas that are under attack. Finrod is separated from the rest of his group and surrounded by a small company. I'm assuming these are orcs, most likely, in a place called the Pen of Sarich. This is on the way north on the western side of the map towards Dor Loman and Mithrim. The area is on the northern western side of, of the north, the part that was most under siege at this point in the conflict. In the Silmarillion, we don't get a ton of detail about this event, but it has some implications, which I'm going to relay to you before the end of this episode. The passage in the Silmarillion reads like this. There, King Finrod Feligand, hastening from the south, was cut off from his people and surrounded with a small company in the pen of Sarich, and he would have been slain or taken, but Barahir came up with the bravest of his men and rescued him and made a wall of spears about him, and they cut their way out of the battle with great loss. Thus, Feligand escaped and returned to his deep fortress of Nargothrond, but he swore an oath of abiding friendship and aid in every need to Barahir and all his kin, and in token of his vow, he gave to Barahir his ring. This is an interesting moment, Finrod is cut off, and remember from the last episode, Finrod is the one who first meets the people of Beor and befriends them and takes them in. He's the one who shows up and kind of brings them under his wing, is able to teach them and welcome them into the lands of Beleriand. And in this moment, Barahir, the brother of Bregolas, who was the lord of the house of Beor, both of these are descendants of Beor by six generations, shows up in the defense of Finrod. In the moment that he needs it, creates a ring around him with his soldiers and spears, and many of them give their lives, but they're able to get Finrod out. The compassion 
the caring, the friendship that Finrod brings the house of Bjor is returned to him six generations later by Barahir. And Finrod does not forget this. He vows an oath of abiding friendship with Barahir's people, the house of Bjor. And in doing this, he gives Barahir his ring as a sign, as a symbol of this connection. And if you've noticed anything in listening to this show so far, oftentimes these kinds of events, when pointed out by Tolkien in the histories, in the Silmarillion, aren't events that happen without some sort of importance or callback later in the stories. The Ring of Finrod becomes known as the Ring of Barahir. The Ring of Barahir is passed down through the line of men, generation after generation, often from the leader of the house to the oldest male. But in some cases, that's not actually the the way it works. At one point, it passes on to an eldest daughter, which is important. And I'm not going to go into all the details here, because this could be its own episode. The idea here, though, is it passes down the line of men through the Numenorean kings and lords into the kings of Arnor. This is the line of Elendil. Elendil is notable because Elendil's sons are Isildur and Anarion. Isildur is the one who cut the ring from Sauron's hand using Elendil's broken sword. Both the shards of this sword, Narsil, and the ring of Barahir are passed from Elrond to Aragorn when he learns of his birthright. These are two symbolic items, and of the two, the one that we most know about because of the movies and the fact that it's a freaking cool sword is Narsil. The one that we don't learn about so much is much older and much more important, and that is the Ring of Bear here. The meaning here is that there was a vow between men and elves because men came to the rescue of Finrod, who served as an ambassador to the original men who entered Beleriand in the First Age, and that ring represents that friendship. And thousands of years later, we have Elrond passing these objects to their rightful owner, Aragorn, who is going to rebuild the connection between men and elves at the end of the Third Age before they finally all disappear. There's something poetic about all of this. The more I study this, the more I realize the importance of the way mythological stories work and the way they play out and the fact that Tolkien was a modern mythologist. And we talk about that, like, oh, he's creating a modern mythology for his people and the English people because the English people didn't have their own mythology. There's all that talk about the some of the intents that he had had at certain points during his writing career. Yes. But I think on a more fundamental level, he wasn't just writing something that sounds like that's dressed up like a mythology of old. His stories 
are fundamentally formed in the same way as the great ancient myths. He is standing among those storytellers. His stories work on a very poetic and fundamental level that you rarely see. This is the thing that sets him apart from many other fantasy authors who try to do what he does. I think the the most recent awareness that I have of an author who stands shoulder to shoulder with him in the use of mythology is Neil Gaiman. I've been watching The Sandman. I was aware of the comics. I never really read them. My friends were fans and readers of them in the 90s. But in watching the series, I'm reminded, I get the same feeling, I get the vibe that Neil Gaiman is somebody who understands mythology on a fundamental level the same way that Tolkien does and is able to work that into his writing. Both of those things are uncommon and phenomenal. So the Ring of Bear here, a very important item here, a very tragic event with the Battle of Sudden Flame. But that's not where the tragedy ends. One of the most amazing feats of any of the elves is about to occur. Fingolfin decides to take on Morgoth himself. We'll be talking about that next week. Have a wonderful week. Come on by my streams over at twitch.tv slash robots radio. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to chat with you about Tolkien and any of the things that you want to talk about. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.